Hi guys. Hi. What's going on? <sighs> well, man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hello, Nana. Hi. How are you? Uh, speaking honestly, it's a mix of things. How are you? I'm good. Um, it's April 1st. Yes. I'm saying that because I want to make sure this episode gets out before like mid-April. So welcome to spring officially, guys. Uh, and we're excited to talk about, you know, what are we talking about today, Nana? We're talking about You've Got Mail. Oh my God. I love that you did that. I know. <laughs> I'm a cheese ball. I can't help it. I can't you, help and that it. was pitch perfect, too. That was pitch perfect. <laughs> I really love that. Um, all right, for people that may, may not know who we are, I guess, I'm Misan and this is my buddy. Nana. And we are Hell, yeah, a podcast that's all about uh, finding pockets of pleasure in romance content. Nana and I are two friends from college who also went to law school, um, who discovered a couple of years ago that we we're both super into romance, romance novels, um, romantic comedies, romantic dramas, the whole sort of like nine yards of if it's romance we are probably going to have some sort of perspective on it um from articles to what have you tweets um and so we decided we wanted to have a podcast where we get to sort of delve into you know analyzing rom-coms and looking at it from a critical but also fun eye because we don't take ourselves too seriously uh we are both first gen american first generation americans of west african descent with an african do attitude and i already said that we went to law school uh, and that's how yeah. Welcome. That, welcome. Yay. Um, I guess, you know what? This is going to be, I got to have sushi later tonight. So we have to like, let's, let's keep this tight. Let's just, let's keep. This <laughs> All right. So you want to do at first sight? You want to go first, Nana? Yeah. I literally do not remember when I first saw this movie. I don't think it was in the theaters. But I think it's another one of those like on TV or sleepover rental kind of things. You know what I mean? I don't have yeah. like a very specific memory. It's always in the ether. But what I will say is that I this was never my favorite. Like I was like of the Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. I like liked Sleepless in Seattle a lot more. It was like one of my mom's like movies that she liked. To watch. Mm. So I like had seen it as a kid. And then, um, I don't know, and we'll get into this, because I've, like, vacillated a lot. I've gone from periods of, like, when I first saw this movie, I was like, oh, it's fine, whatever, it's not my favorite. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and, then I, and then I, like, really started to love it for a while, and now I'm back at, like, huh, you know, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, but I, because, and we talked about this, I was always really into um, classic movies as a kid, and so I loved the movie, the Ernst Lubitsch movie this was based off of, um, uh, sh Shop Around the Corner, mm. and so maybe there was a little bit of a snob in me. <laughs> I was like, you know, the remake just can't, can't quite, like, make up to the original, you know? Um, so yeah. that maybe that's it. But I, I still do think it's iconic. Meg Ryan's haircut was always iconic, and there's mm -hmm. stuff about this movie I really love. But it's it definitely wasn't my, like, part of the canon canon for like my personal canon yeah I think I tend to agree I think I have a similar like I feel like I feel like I saw this movie in like 90 
for 99. And I don't think I went mm-hmm. to the theaters for it. So I do not know when it, where I saw it. But I remember yeah. this was, I think this was the first, uh, considering this is like the third of like movies that Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan did together, like chronologically. This is the first yeah. of the of the parent I ever saw in film. Okay. So my first, and I remember, I remember sort of like the news being like, oh my God, McRyan and Tom Hanks are doing another movie together. Like that was a lot of the press around the time in 98. Like it was like all like super exciting. Like, oh my God, they have another, you know, movie. It's going to be really good, blah, blah, blah. And I'd never seen any of the other ones. I was like, I don't know why people Mm. like are so excited about Tom Hanks and McRyan. Like, sure, whatever. I think they're both, because you know, they are mega stars in like 1998. Like, so I was like, I think they're both pretty cool. Like, fine, I guess I'll watch it. So I had that lens and I watched it and I thought it was like, I really liked it. It wasn't probably like my favorite. Oh, it might've been up there initially as like a really good movie that I loved as part of like the rom- like rom-coms that I find enjoyable. So I really, really enjoyed it. And I don't think I really sat down to sort of parse it, uh, but I've seen yeah. it more. Cause I, I also, I think it's like the, you know, benefit of being younger. Like you have like less experiences about all sorts of things. Yeah. And so you don't sort of like notice things that are like, it's almost like when we talk about one fine day, uh, you don't notice things that might be like, huh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But now looking at it now, I just sort of go, I go back and forth. I think it's a charming movie. Yeah, it's you super, know, there's super a lot, charming. There's a lot of charm and that comes down to like Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, right? For sure. And Nora um, Ephron's script. And Nora and Ephron. Ephron. And Delia Ephron. Or I guess Nor- and Delia Ephron. Nora and Delia Ephron. Nora and Delia script. Ephron's script. And then the Nora. Yeah. And the yeah. Nora and the sort of the Nora stamp of it, right? So I think it must come down to yeah. all of that. Uh, but yeah, I guess we're going to speaking, I guess this is the background now. So just so you guys know. Yeah, uh, uh, got, yeah, yeah, could, yeah. Sorry, keep going. You Got Mail is a 1998 movie, like we've mentioned. Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, it's their third pairing. They had um, Sleepless in Seattle and Joe versus the Volcano before, and people have like were loving them. So it, was, it seemed like a no-brainer for them to do this movie. Yeah. Um, co-written by you know, Noor Ephron, the patron saint of romantic comedies, uh, and Delia Ephron, her daughter. Um, let's see, what else did I say? It was a huge box office success, actually. Um, not surprisingly, because again, these are two mega stars in the 90s. Uh, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan made this like the number one movie, the box office when it came out that weekend in North America. Uh, Gross Mm -hmm. ultimately over $250 million worldwide, which is insane in 1998 money for a rom-com. Imagine a rom-com doing that now. It's like, I I don't even think it's crazy. Uh, Also, they're not good, so they don't do that now. Um, and so, yeah, but I mean, and to your point, I like a lot of these movies, I can kind of remember them coming out, but I do remember the marketing campaign around this movie. Like yeah. that's how big, how this is, yeah, exactly. it, like, it, yeah. it, like it pierced your like consciousness. Cause I remember being yeah, like a huge yeah. thing. Like we were like, Oh my God, Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the whole AOL thing was huge. Yeah, it was, like, AOL, it was, it was like, the harbinger like the beginning harbinger of the internet like all other stuff and this exactly and we'll get into like we'll get into that a little bit so this had mixed reviews but generally i think people like put it up there as like a rom-com classic i don't know that nana and i necessarily agree that's a rom-com classic um but i think i would say it was a classic but it's not maybe one of my favorites okay that's better yeah i'll see yeah i I wouldn't put it up in my personal pantheon but i can see it being in the general pantheon of rom-coms which is fair as nana mentioned it's based on a film uh, 1940 that starred Jimmy Stewart, The Shop Around the Corner. Who was the female lead in The Shop Around the Corner? Margaret Sullivan. She had uh, a really husky voice. It was oh very, my God. It was interesting. Interesting. Um, <laughs> sexy but, husky um, or husky weird? Hus- sexy husky, but she was so cute looking. That's why it was a little weird. Oh, so it didn't, didn't match, match uh, the discrepancy. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And The Shop Around the Corner was based on a 1937 Hungarian play called Parfum. 
parfumery. Um, and mm -hmm. then, you know, uh, apparently there was a 1949 movie, yes. Judy Garland and Van Reynolds. In the good old yeah, summertime. Or, or, Van, or not Van Red, it's, it's Van Johnson, sorry. Van Johnson, um, Van Johnson. Yeah. yeah, in the good old summertime, Nana says it was much more forgettable, and I believe her, because yes. I have never yes. heard of this in my life. Uh, go ahead, Nana. And, oh, say oh, and I think, because you're talking about Nora Ephron and it having a stamp, and I do think what is kind of interesting, like, if you look at its genealogy, is that, like, it was, a like, the 1940 movie, which actually was, like, very well-received, um, had was, like, made by Ernst Lubitsch, which, who's, like, a director who is, like, known for, like, I think he was German, but he was, like, known for having, like, the Lubitsch, quote-unquote, touch which is oh, like elegant I've, I've urbane heard comedy heard of, yeah, yeah. yeah but and so i but i it, it's interesting because i think nora efron was essentially like the 90s version of it right yeah. and so like like it, it, it just like makes sense that she like took this like 1940s like almost like comedy of manners about like urbane like kind of not sophisticated but you know witty people mm. and then she kind of made a 1998 digital like early digital age version yeah of it. you know what i mean yeah no that's interesting interesting yeah uh so casting is like who's who of like 90 stars yes. you got like yes. parker posey um dave Chappelle, steve zan greg kinnear like you know funny enough there's like What's... a can't oh go ahead i'll oh, keep going no, keep uh there's going. like there's a cameo from Sarah Ramirez of like, you know, Izzy. Yes. Or yes! Izzy, what's her face? Um, what was her name? What was her character on um, Grey's Anatomy? Uh, oh, gosh, I'm blanking gosh. on. All right. I, have to I, find I think it. I wrote it. About, yeah. What is it? What is, who I, did like, she I want, play? Because she went by her last name. I want to say it's like, uh, it's not Garcia or something no, like that. No. Who did she play? Oh, Torres. Callie Torres, Torres. Torres. There we go. There Callie we go. Callie Torres, yeah. So this is pre, obviously this is 1998, so this is pre-Callie Torres fame. Yeah, uh, and then they did the thing where all, like, Latino actors always had to have an accent in movies. Yeah, like, so oh God, yeah. the 90s so she, were not a bastion yeah. of diversity and wokeness. Alas, yeah. alas. So she definitely played, like, some kind of immigrant because she well, had she an accent. Yeah, whatever. And now Sarah R Ramirez plays a Che on Ad Just Like That, and people do not love them on that show i will tell you that much oh i haven't seen it people hate them on that show but that is okay that's a separate subject anyway so that <laughs> um so we have like a casting of like 90 stars of familiar faces um, and then there's the chick who uh plays like uh the, she always plays the best friend she was like the the friend in um Mr. Oh, Reality oh, oh, and... what's her name is it heather burn no heather burns yeah yes. he heather burns yeah heather burns yeah. yes that's yeah right. And she was the best friend in two weeks' notice, actually. I'm not now. I exactly. Now I'm seeing her exactly. face, actually. You're right. She was. She was. Um, and Jean Stapleton. What else has Jean Stapleton been? Oh, she was she, in, like, All in the Family. Oh, okay. the family. Yeah, she I was trying to remember it. why she looked familiar. I was like, why do I know who you are? And, like, and I can't you talked about Greg Kinnear. Yeah, Greg Kinnear, uh, of yeah. course. And then who else? Is there anyone else? And, and I... I kind of feel like when I was watching it, I was like, it's, and maybe I'm just making it up. He, I always thought of him as like kind of like a Baxter. Like he was always the guy getting dumped in movies, but maybe yeah, he wasn't. Mar like, I thought he was like sort of James Marsden, but for like the, like, you know, yeah, the older exactly. set, like not our generation, yeah. but like, you know, like Gen yeah. X or something. Like that's what sort of what yeah. I always thought of Greg. I don't think I've ever seen him as like the male lead in some, in a rom com. He's always the one that gets dumped. Spoiler yeah. Um, or dumps. Uh, so, which is interesting. And then we we would be we'd be remiss if we did not talk about the very obvious product placement in every bit of this movie. Like it must yes. have funded the entire movie and Tom Hanks and like you know Meg Ryan's salaries because 
goodness. AOL, Zabar's, New York City grocery store. What else? What else did we see in there? Not a Starbucks. H and yeah, Starbucks H and H bagels. It was like one oh of those New York movies that they like. Yeah. They like hit us over the head with everything New York. Cafe Lalo, which it oh does not exist. I, I think it finally shut down, but my God, I uh, love that place, man. Yeah. Really, especially in yeah. law school. Good spot, good spot. So anyway, yeah. so that is, that's the background for You've Got Mail. And now Nana's going to do the plot with my interrupting as usual. Not really, because I, okay, this is a weird movie in that it's kind of long. I'm not sure a lot really happens. We basically <laughs> have <laughs> I think that would be one of my notes about the movie. I feel like it's a. I know. I I actually do like this movie, but it's always felt a bit long to me. I don't know. Yeah, I agree Um, with you though. I agree with you. Rewatching, I was like, "Mm, you could have cut out like like in 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 like contrast to the last episode that we did with uh you yeah uh, basketball love and basketball basketball. that would be a great mashup. I love and basketball, um, which I felt was like like it covered so much in like a short yeah. period of time. I'd be interested. Let me check. I'll have to check the run times. It's they, two hours. It's two hours. They're like about the same run, run time. But I feel like way more happened and year span, yeah. decade span as yeah. opposed to this that was like what? Uh, like a full year maybe because we saw different seasons if you think about yeah. it. Crazy. Anyway, yeah. Continue. Okay. But basically, okay, so the movie starts and we have Kat, Meg Ryan with a haircut for day. That was the haircut. That little the layers. Oh my god, the layers. The layers. The different yeah, colors yes. of blonde. It, oh my god. It was. It's. It's still perfection. Yeah. Uh, that is something that has aged very well. That haircut. Very, but she's very. like in her. And, oh, okay. Well, I guess the movie really starts with this like weird intro with like you know the modem like sounds like. Oh my god. And that That's, was like oh that made me feel some things. Nostalgia. And then it, yeah, and then it had that kind of like weird pixelated like we're gonna like have like a pixel almost Sims version of New York because it's like cutting age technology for the late God. 90s. So dated so it was now. Just, it's so yes. dated now. And we'll talk about this because this movie should feel more dated than it is considering mm. that it hinges on a technology that's obsolete, right? But it kind of works. Um, yeah, agreed. But, but it, it is going in hard. It's like we are at the, we're almost at the turn of the century, almost at the new millennium. Internet is a thing. Beep, boop, boop, mm. beep, 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 boop. That's like how the movie starts. Yeah. And then we have like Kathleen Kelly and like, a sinfully large Upper West Side apartment. Like, Amazing. it is gorgeous. Oh, my God. I wonder <laughs> who lives so in that apartment nice. now. Oh, the interiors. I remember, I think I put in my notes, I was like, Nora Ephron interiors all the way. It is a See, gorgeous a apartment. Nora Ephron Hallmark. Great interiors. Yes. Interiors. Yeah. Excellent interior design. Always, always. Yeah. Even though she's, like, not, presumably not very wealthy. And so she's, like, in the, her apartment with her, like, lefty boyfriend who works for the New York Observer, Frank. And he's talking about like luddites and he doesn't he doesn't trust the digital age in the end frank was right i wonder like what he would have thought about like where we are now (laughs) i bet you frank frank definitely has a twitter account that he like (laughs) but um and she's like in her apartment and then she's like waiting for her boyfriend to leave and then she like sneaks up you know she's like trying to get him out and then she like sneaks off to her computer boots it up you know the modem sound oh my childhood you just hear it and then she gets it like she get you know then we get the aol you've got mail and she checks her mail or she goes into a chat room or something and she just starts chatting with this guy her 
name or her like handle is like shop girl which makes no sense how she like how could she have been the first shop girl there would have been numbers or something that that bothers me and then she's talking to someone ny152 which is classic like just a classic like aol handle um they're just chatting about I don't even know life or whatever. She's like very goo goo gaga. I, I don't like if you, I don't remember what the particulars of the conversation are, but she's just like it's it's clearly like that this is someone she has like a crush on, right? Even though she's emotional a affair, they're having an emotional. Affair. And yes, okay, well, okay, someone she has a crush on, but they are having an emotional affair. Yeah, that is like glaringly more obvious and upon rewatches when you're older, like especially the fact that like she like waits for him to leave the house she like you know it's very sneaky and behind the back Super uh, sneaky. and the movie never really interrogates that nope. <laughs> yep uh but yeah so they're chatting and so we get a little bit of her life and Misan. i don't remember if then we're going into like joe uh what's his name joe's life is it joe Why yeah jo- it's joe it's joe fox yeah then we go into yeah. joe's life right after because like she talks about the smell of like i feel like she's talking about the smell of pencils or something it's like yeah, fall. like a bouquet of pencils. Yeah, exactly. Like She's like freshly sharpened pencil, which also like side note, how annoying. Like, is this what you guys talk about? She's, you guys are so well, boring. Like, yeah, we'll we talk have, about we this later. But. Uh, yeah, I will talk a little bit. I think she's a little drippy in a way that I never could relate to, which is also probably why I didn't like necessarily love this movie in the same yeah, way. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so then we have, like, uh, Joe Fox, and he is, like, I think he's in his apartment with, oh, more beautiful interiors. His apartment interiors kind of remind me of um, Steve Martin's apartment or a condo and only um, murders, only murders in the building. Yeah, it's like, like that. It's like, like yeah. the, I don't know what that style is. It's, like, a little kind of reminds me of, like, you know, because it has, like, the parquet floors. There's, like, a little bit of, like, this, like, Dutch thing happening with, yeah. like, very deep woods that are, like, turquoise i don't know i wish i knew interior design but it's gorgeous and his girlfriend is played by parker posey and she is like you know and necessarily like very annoying and self-involved and she's like a publisher yeah um yeah so then he we like see he's like he's also waiting for his significant other to leave so he can talk to the shop girl so i mean these people people know they are up to no they're doing is wrong and they've been lying to their significant others for ages Horrible. I know. And he also, I remember his office was super beautiful. And then he has, like, of course, a golden retriever or, like, a Labrador retriever, uh, like, running up to him. And then I'm, like, actually just looking at my notes because I, like, have to remember this movie. Okay. The brand, this is, like, in my notes, it's, like, I wonder what the brand integration deal looked like with AOL because it's wild. You're such a nerd. <laughs> but it's actually a really good question because I do wonder, like, what that was like. How, like, how, mu- how many times do they have to show AOL in the movie? Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. It, to, you know what I mean? Same with, like, Starbucks yeah. and all the other brands. I'm just exactly. very curious and about like, that. I, like, now do this for a living, so I'm like, huh, I wonder how much that cost and whatever. But then, okay, so we're, sorry, I got really distracted. We're, like, a classic New York movie. Dreams by the Cardigans is playing, and, like, Big Ryan is, like, doing the thing that every, like, sweet white girl that moves to New York dreams of doing. You know what I mean? She's, like, yeah. walking around. <laughs> There's, like, she's, like, the main character, right? It's, like, Dreams is playing in the background, like, like. It's like the the most romantic version of New York. On star, the stores are opening. You're seeing like Andrade's like shoe repair, like all yeah. the uh. It's just like it, it's like it's it's the thing that made everybody move to like every romantic person like move yeah, to New York, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Okay, and so and then she like she and so like we have this like kind of like montage or not a montage but the scene where like we see that they like live in the same neighborhood and like they're yeah. crossing each other's paths but yeah. they never meet each other throwback to intergalactic which i was like a very big part yeah, of it that's right that's, like, that's a right. classic yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's like a very classic new york kind of love story element like this person could be around the corner and you don't know mm-hmm. um and so they both are going to starbucks but at different times one thing i want to point out a little hypocritical of her to go to Starbucks, you know, considering what the whole, <laughs> I was like, I remember being like, girl, uh-uh, you just lost some credibility here. Uh- <laughs> like you're supposed to be all about independent stuff, but Starbucks is a huge conglomerate. I guess she's, a- I guess everybody's a little bit of a hypocrite. True. Yeah. Okay. But and I won't get into the minutia, but we see their two lives. He works at like a, he's like a big kind of corporate, like, I guess they have like these bookstores that are yeah. essentially like Barnes and Noble or Borders or whatever. And she works at this like cute little store that's like shop around the corner. That store has like a lovely little gang of misfits, Heather Burns, Steve Zahn. I can't remember their real names because they don't matter. And then like a lady <laughs> who like kind of comes in and out played by um, Gene Stapleton. And then mm-hmm. his life is like he has his father who's like an old man who's married to a much younger lady and has like a young um like a young son who's like a like essentially like a really little boy who happens to be joe's uh brother and then his grandfather who's incredibly old who has a way too young wife who has a young daughter who's like joe's aunt so i guess that's like some kind of poking at the hyper uber rich without like Mm -hmm. really doing any like real critiques of them um but they also live in they're also in an amazing office that like overlooks i can't remember if it was midtown or downtown but it's like one of these amazing like corner office thingies yeah all right and then his and his life he has best friend played by Dave Chappelle, pre-Terp Wars Dave Chappelle, when we still kind of rocked with him. And he, this is the thing about the movie, again, sorry, I'm just like taking detours. It never made sense why his best friend was Dave Chappelle to me. What, in what universe are these two men interacting or crossing or like i just figured that i figured that joe and this is i guess a maybe uh like spoiler for like how we're gonna talk about this later i feel i figured that joe was such like not a fun like he was horrible to be friends with that like of course his best friend would be someone that he ended up working with like that's the like that's the only friend he was able to make is that's that's sort of like that's maybe and wave it away but I don't, because I can imagine like Dave Chappelle's character just complaining about Joe all the time. But, you know, yeah. understanding that he needs somebody. That's what I would think. But they hang out a lot. And I was yeah. like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so and it's kind of like. Their friends. He doesn't have any other friends. He doesn't know anybody. He doesn't have any friends, but it's also like the classic thing where they're like, we need to include black people. Yeah. So we'll just like throw one in and yeah. it, like, it doesn't make any sense. Kind of like in like uh, two weeks notice how like. Hugh Grant, his like confidant was like a black dude too. Yeah. It's just like it was like a thing they always did. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, so like Kathleen is like she has her like little store that is like everybody in the neighborhood loves, but there's like all this talk that Fox's books is like gobbling up like independent bookstores left and right in the neighborhood. Hers is the last standing. Meanwhile, Joe is like a you know, captain, a titan of industry, and he's just like a go-go killer. Um he there's like a I guess at some point Joe's like gonna hang out with his like niece or not niece sorry his aunt and his brother yeah. and he takes them uh, like you know so we have the obligatory montage where we see he's great with kids and he stops at Kathleen's store she's doing story time she's known as like the story lady he walks in you can tell he's immediately like whoa hubba she is pretty and yeah. so he does like a little flirty thing um he does like a little flirty thing um with her 
while like the kids are around like Mm -hmm. there's a whole joke about him being like this is my aunt this is my brother and like spell fox whatever you've seen the movie um but he does not tell kathleen who he is and he obscures who he is then at some point they like both at this like fancy like upper west side or whatever shindig um and she doesn't know who he is yet so she starts talking to him and then like the other intelligentsia are like i can't believe you're talking to him that's joe fox she's upset so she like marches up to him and is like you sir are scourge blah 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 and he's like you know like it was like one of those things he was kind of he was a bit of a jerk she didn't like he says really mean stuff to about her to her basically about how she's insignificant she doesn't really come up with anything um in the in the like moment so that's like one of her conversations with her little pen pal and why 152 like why can't i say like mean things in the moment you know yeah yeah that's gonna be something that comes up because she says a lot of mean things to joe later in the moment um yeah then we got a bit of her life like her her relationship with her boyfriend is like whatever uh he's like uh he's a kind of a caricature of a liberal like in terms yeah. of like he's super like a like, lefty liberal he's li- yeah like super not yeah, lefty like, liberal yeah. but a super, super like an lefty. uber leftist basically yeah, yeah yeah an uber leftist like super like i don't know probably into syndicalism he's like definitely a union guy and yeah. like he was like okay with anarchy um and he wrote for the new york observer pre-Jared Kushner, so it was, like, a thing. Yeah, like, that was really, <laughs> so, like, like before, out there. Before they, yeah, before okay, he ran it into the maybe, ground. And maybe it's my age now, but honestly, he wasn't that bad. Like, I know we're meant to think he he's, wasn't like, that he's, bad. like, a drip yes. or something, or, like, yeah, he's so he's annoying, like, who's this guy that cares about things? But he was not wrong. He's not he that not, bad. He made also, points. He made points. Yeah. Also, we'll talk about this. The politics of this movie are very late 90s, which is why I think he's made to be, like, kind of, like, ins- seem yeah. like he's insufferable. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and so that, and meanwhile, his girlfriend, played by Parker Posey, is, like, really shallow and self-involved and whatever. Also, I don't think she was okay. horrible. I think she just was, like, you know, kind of, like, I don't think she's, she's that bad. I don't think she was that bad. She's not that bad, but she's kind of terrible to service workers. She's, like, definitely that lady. Oh, no, she's definitely, like, not, like, she, she's, she is, but, like, yeah. It's not like Joe was any better. Like, please. Yeah, Joe, yeah. Okay, and so, like, there's just, like, this war between the two of them, and, like, Kathleen is so angry at him that she's, like, wages, she, like, starts punching back, and she's, like, mm. trying to get, rally the community to support the store, and it's like, yay, like, we're gonna do it. People love us, but what? The jaws of capitalism, they keep chomping. You can't stop it from eating, and you're going to get spit out. So That's she depressing. Has, that, Very that, depressing. It's true. You, 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 you can't fight the power, right? Like, And I think this movie, again, doesn't really interrogate that, but that's like, that's like the takeaway. Like, Fox Books was an uh, like it was like unstoppable it was yeah. inevitable that yeah. she was gonna and, and i did appreciate that the movie didn't try to romanticize that like it happened right yeah. and so True. uh yeah so they hate each other uh, and meanwhile we're seeing their kind of like lackluster like personal lives and relationships um at a certain point that like she has to close up shop he like kind of maybe feels bad right but not really um, not, but not really and then on their online life like they decide that they're gonna like meet up with each other not knowing that the uh, who the other is so he goes with well, his best friend she kn- oh oh you're right he didn't know oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah well, at that point yeah. so he goes with his best friend played by dave Chappelle, which is still, again, weird. Su- still weird such a suspension of disbelief on that part um and dave Chappelle's kind of like he he's like hey can you take a look in because at first and he's really sweet about how he's like if she, even like he has this line something about like she's like the most adorable person i've ever encountered and so if she if she's like as pretty as a mailbox i'll like upend my entire life and marry her or something like that right he's like 
What do you, what, what do you want to say? Just say what you're going to say. Nothing. Nothing. Continue. <laughs> I don't want to say a thing. I'm keeping it to myself. I'm keeping it to myself. I'm trying. Because I like, I like, want, like, I feel like, I don't know. I just have so many thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So he's like all like very Romeo or Romeo swooning from yeah. like the rafters. I just and don't find it believable. Like, okay. I don't find it believable. Yeah. That's and so problem. then he has Dave Chappelle's character whose name doesn't even matter. I don't remember him. So, it's Kevin. Um, and you know what? I have to look it up because I don't think yes. he ever said his name in that movie. <laughs> yes! <laughs> just so oh, you God. know, he never my, said his My name. people, my people, why do you do this to us continually? <laughs> They, they, I don't remember them saying his name, but uh, maybe they do, but whatever. You, you're not supposed to care what his name is. Exactly. And so he goes in, and he's kind of like, there's like a teasing, like, oh, like, is she pretty? Again, this wouldn't fly now because people, you know, you can't be that shallow, right? Yeah. And there's like yeah. fat phobia kind of sprinkled throughout this movie or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then at some point, uh, Kevin, I will use his name going forward, is like, oh, like this girl, woman has like the same coloring as Kathleen Kelly and then Joe's kind of like oh okay whatever he's like mm. well do you like if you don't like Kathleen I don't think you'll like this woman he's like what because it is Kathleen and then <laughs> Joe like looks like he's gonna stand her up which is bad enough but he does something way worse which is he goes in and he just like fucks with her for no reason whatsoever. Like, he's just like it's so <laughs> like that's I think when I rewatch this movie that's because I was, it was funny I was watching it with like I watched this like with some like cousins like over the holidays yeah. and I was watching it and then because I was like trying to get like this cousin is like Gen Z whatever trying to get him to be yeah. into like like he likes rom-coms so, like trying to get him to be more into it so I was like having him watch it and he was like wait this guy's kind of a dick is he just like messy yes. like he's like messing with her mom like that was like if you think about it like if you really think about it it was very cruel what he like very casually cruel what he did incredibly like, I cannot believe that for someone that you said that you like Love. I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah, just, yeah. Turned but, me I mean, off when okay. I watched it a little bit. Yeah, I, you know how like th there was like this whole thing going around um, where they like people like re like made like a they basically like changed like the lighting and like the music for the Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, yeah. Movie, like trailer and it like all of a sudden it was like this psychological thriller like a horror movie I feel like you could do something very similar with this movie which is this man like who's like psychologically terrorizing this woman yes. <laughs> yes. oh my god like think about it so there's this like reddit's like uh subthread called like am I the a-hole basically and like yeah. think about someone writing and so like they'll people like write in judgments and then like people yeah. will say like oh you not nta you are yta no one is an a-hole here blah 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 that sort of stuff i'm picturing this being written from his perspective from joe's perspective and from yeah. kathleen's perspective and the very wildly divergent responses like people yeah would get. i mean it's ridiculous yeah. i think people would all unanimously yeah. agree that the man is the a a-hole he's, he's like, more than an a-hole like, this is like next level this is like psychopathic this is like yeah. with her mom like it's crazy yes. if you think about it, like yeah. actually like if you like think it's about it broadly crazy. like that's why i have a hard time buying anything that he says beforehand now because it's like yeah what because like a just a normal person would be like I don't want to talk to her anymore. At worst, stand her up. At best, leave it alone. Is that not and enough to be mean? That's mean enough, but no. But he was like, he was like a cat toying with a mouse the whole time, right? It was and so, so he, like, strange. Kind of, and so he goes in and he just tries to get her like all riled up and like, I think he, she had run, he'd uh, read Pride and Prejudice because of her. Yeah. He had 
you know, there's always got to be a drop in there. And yeah. so, uh, and so he like kind of uses that. Like at some point, I think I took a note, like how dare you leverage Pride and Prejudice against it's this overly disgusting. romantic woman. It's despicable. It's like the attempt to make it be like he's the Darcy and she's Elizabeth Bennet. But you know yeah. what? Darcy did not purposely screw with Elizabeth Bennet's yeah. mind. How dare you? I think we'll never get past this, but I will try to. Because right, like, okay, I, I have to. I have to let. Yeah, keep we have going, to. But I have yeah, to but this is. But the, this, this is like is scene, egregious. This is a scene. I feel like this is a scene where the movie turns yes. from like again. If this is like if we're looking at it as like a psychological thriller, like yes. well, it's almost like sleeping with the enemy or enough, right? Yeah. It was from the woman's perspective, yes. <laughs> and so if we saw it from the woman's perspective. This also the movie's clearly from Joe's perspective. He is like he's the protagonist. It's all like he is the whole movie. Like she (laughs) is the side character to his like basically he gets weird machinations. Oh my god, I'm starting to rant. He gets everything he wants. What does she get? Okay, sorry. Not yeah. Okay. You. I'm so upset. Yeah, so, yeah, okay. So, this, but this is what it turns from just kind of this, like, weird, but, like, very, like, on the surface, you understand, like, business, like, yeah, like, p- competitive squabble to yeah. this, like, deeper, kind of twisted, again, yeah. like, yeah. M- psychologically manipulative, mm-hmm. like, game that he's playing exactly. with. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, I feel bad for everyone who loves this movie and who's like, don't be excited to listen. I'm like, I wish I could gush. I will like, and I will gush a little bit, I will say, but like the the bones of this, the problem is the foundation is full. Foundation. And it's from like, to be fair, the, the source material is in 1937. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly, so exactly. Maybe, maybe, maybe the uh, the yeah, the gender dynamics or the, like, or what was understood as like chivalrous or romantic back then was so warped and twisted, right? <laughs> but now we have the Nora Ephron Sheen, so we don't see all the like the twisted things. Exactly. But yeah, he he toys with her, and then she's like very nervous, and then he's kind of like making her feel like kind of bad, like, oh, is he gonna come? Is it that guy? I, it was awful. It was so painful. And like her little heart is like breaking because she like doesn't see him coming, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. then he kind of like he kind of like whistles off. He's like, do 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 do. Well, first he like kind of is like, I'm leaving, but he's gonna stay. Like and he sits at another table and he comes back. And then she you know what? She punches back and she says something like basically like where there should be like a heart, there's like a cash register, something like that. Which is like, a bottom line. It's not wrong. Yeah. It's correct. Yeah. And so she kind of like she kind of cuts into him and then he leaves and he makes her feel really bad and he's like what is he he says something along the lines like oh like for essentially like oh like if you're like someone who struggles to find like some the mean thing that you definitely you definitely nailed it right now or something like yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. and so he and so we're supposed to feel bad for him and And you know what's ridiculous because as i was watching the movie i did feel bad for him but now that i have i did i did separated from it i'm like where did she lie (laughs) <laughs> yeah i did too and so he leaves and then he is like talking to kevin and being like well she's a bitch and classic male behavior it's like she classic just like she- 90s male <laughs> behavior oh my god if this was ever a sign that it was clearly 1998 it was that it was that. yeah because it's like you know what he reminds me of is like those guys that holler you on the street and then they're like well you ugly anyway like that's like, why I'm like- talking to me did i ask you to talk to me i don't want to talk to you let's not can, let's continue to not be talking I, don't then lie because i'm not that's a lie yeah 
this is unrelated, but I'm just going to say one time on the corner of, I believe it was Marcus Garvey and Decatur, and I, I, that guy knows who he is. He called me a knock kneed bitch because I didn't want to. Be- <laughs> I'm not knock kneed. That is yes. rude. Yes. All because he so didn't say rude. hi back. Yes. And then I was like, kind of like, am I knock kneed? I'm not knock kneed. <laughs> okay, I was going to, first of all, it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> so like first of all inaccurate and secondly yes. if she if if that's what he thought the entire time why was he trying to say hello why to are you? you talking to me okay that, that was a- to get people to talk to you uh, you know what i shouldn't even like street harassment never makes any sense <laughs> anyway it's ridiculous yeah it's oh all nonsensical. Um, I just needed that aside, a, a, a PSA about street harassment. Don't do it, guys. Okay, so. <laughs> okay, but all, anyway. Yeah, the men that would street harass are actually, you know, let me just say that though, because you would be surprised who street harasses, obviously. But I generally yeah. have men that street harass are not listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or I hope they're not. If you are, don't listen. <laughs> yeah. but Or listen, because you need to learn some shit. A lot. Okay. <laughs> Um, but jo- yeah, so Joe's like kind of that's the energy he's giving me. Like yeah. she she didn't she didn't love him back. She didn't play his little game, and so he's pissed at her. But then she likes is like her, and and then they start like kind of chatting again. He like says like he doesn't even give her an excuse. He was like, I can't tell you why it was gone, but I am truly sorry. Like as NY one fifty two, and but she's like feeling you know she's getting back into it and she's chatting with him and she talks about how bad she feels. And so he, like, is starting to be interested again because he's like, I guess she is a nice person after all. Mother What? Anyway. Honestly, the nerve. But I shouldn't even be surprised. This is like a a titan of industry in 1990 who's never lost anything in his life. So I shouldn't be surprised that he just is like, he's a typical, like, white man of that, you know, that has that sort of perspective. I really would love to see what happens when Amazon, and not that I am in support of Amazon, I didn't say that, but when Amazon comes and rips his, like, foundation out from under him, hope it felt good. I know. And we'll talk about that, too, because this movie, there's a lot of interesting shit happening. uh, So much. Market-wise. But, yeah, so... And so, like, in their separate lives, they, like, break up with their significant others. She goes to, like, the movies with her guy, and he's, like, basically, like, I could never be with someone who doesn't vote. And she's, like, I didn't vote for the mayor. Giuliani name drop, like, you know, because this is 1990s New York, and obviously. So the fact that she's not voting, like. Yeah, this is how you know this is like a, such a nineties and like oh yeah I don't vote I didn't feel like it. exactly how there's an apolitical oh, how is like that an apolitical in this movie like how is yeah. that the acceptable position that's validated in this movie and then like Frank is like the problem for being like oh I can't like this has to end basically it's Frank is but not, that's not why well no that's but not that's why. not even why yeah that's not why but like she says it because I think she's ready to be like okay like let's yeah start. she's yeah she's like. Try- yeah, she's trying to... Let's the disentangle, like, you know, the untangling, yeah. basically. Uncoupling. Yeah, um, uncoupling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, um, and so that, but then it turns out that he's, like, actually, they, like, have, like, a very civil Upper West Side kind yeah. of, like, 
conversation. They go to dinner and they talk about how they realize they don't love each other. Yeah. She he is like actually into this like news TV news anchor despite like being very anti TV. Yeah. And, and I think the movie's supposed to be like, see, opposites attract. But like he like and then she's very excited for him and like yeah. they're, they're civil and they like each other and then you know she he, they're like he takes friends, the stuff, ultimately their romantic chemistry sucks but they're like friends which is yeah cool. and i yeah. liked that for them yeah, I did meanwhile too. he's like stuck in an elevator and like i guess the guy the elevator they have an elevator operator which like he's rich man but the, so, <laughs> rich. That, so rich but the elevator operator is like oh if i get out of here i'm gonna marry this like woman oretta or something like that yeah and then he's like he looks at parker posing he's like this ain't it so he breaks up with her um and apologies, I don't remember her name either. Uh, but uh, so they're both single. And then this is what he does. The little web he's weaving. He hears that she's... <laughs> Guys, he's a villain. He's a villain. He's a villain. Okay. So, and oh, okay. Sorry. Even another thing that he did was shitty was that his girlfriend at the time was going to, wanted to give her um, Kathleen a job because she's like so well known. And, yeah. Like, uh, um, as a book like, editor. She, she has a... a as a yeah, as, as a, a book, book editor because she's yeah. like she's known to the world of children's books. She's like has great taste. They like just think she'll be amazing. And then he tries to talk her out of it for some reason. And like, it's like, you don't know how to so it's not enough that you yeah. have stripped her of her family business that her mother stole. Oh my god, I feel like I'm sorry for crapping on this movie. But this is really not what I intended to do. But it's not enough that you stripped her of her livelihood, right? Of like the yeah. business that her, her mother, mother store, yeah. her mother's store that she felt so committed to like yeah. keeping running and she and she can't to something that she just fails at doing. Even though it might not have been her complete passion, but she's very good at it. It seems like it was her passion. Maybe the movie tries to make it like, oh, maybe she can Maybe I don't think the it's story not, was her passion. Her passion but children's, children, literature. children's literature is yeah. something that she cared about. So another angle yeah. to sort of like another filter to approach it. And so it's not enough that you like strip her of her livelihood, her family's business. You're also like, oh no, like another way for her to earn income and in that absurdly yeah. large <laughs> Upper West Side apartment. No, actually. I say no. Who are you, Joe Fox? Except a villain. A villain He's of the highest order. <laughs> he's a villain. It's because so, he's. You know what he is. He's trying to. I mean, okay. Again, we're gonna interpret this like the the, the most like the most <laughs> awful way possible. But I agree with you. I'm picking up. Finish it. I'm picking up where you're putting down, Hannah. Continue. He is trying to isolate her from everything. Leave her with nothing so he could swoop in when she's most vulnerable. And that's what <laughs> happens. Yeah. It is. It is. It is. It is. It is what happens. <laughs> oh my god i just feel honestly i feel oh disillusioned right now <laughs> i regret saying that this is the movie we should have done <laughs> is this the first my ride movie we've done I think so. It might be. It Why might be. Is this the first one? We have to redeem Meg Ryan. But like, okay, yeah. continue. <laughs> so he literally goes to her house with her favorite flowers that he knows. I think, I don't remember if she, I think it, like he learned about this through like their talking. Online. He did through their chat room conversations. The chat. Yeah, that's how he learned about that her favorite he, flowers. And so he takes that like illicitly learned information and uses it. He goes to her house while she's sick. Sick. So she's like literally like taking like Sudafed and fuzzy headed and she, like and you could tell like Vulnerable. in the movie it's like very clear she doesn't even know what's happening. Yeah. Like she's like, oh, did you say that? <laughs> and he's kind of weaseling his way into her life. 
<laughs> I'm just gonna that's the rest of the plot recap is gonna be from this perspective so sorry <laughs> he's just like weaseling his way into her life and he's like what happened to the guy that you were dating and all this stuff kind of talking and then what's going on with your life oh the store closed well, he you know, doesn't like, know just, like he doesn't know you yeah. liar and then I think it comes out that they both broke up with their people. And he's like, huh, okay. And so then he starts orchestrating run-ins around the neighborhood. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then the run-ins become like very casual. Oh, I just thought about it. Like, want to grab lunch? Okay. And each time he's like sitting there advising her about her relationship issues, even though he knows what's going on. And she's like pouring her heart out about like why she thinks this guy's her soulmate and what she wants in a man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my god, it's so twisted. Honestly, I can't. I don't think I can. Maybe if I won, I watch this movie again, and I I get and I watch the charm. I will like have a different perspective. But like right now, the weird thing is, this movie is like an exercise in cognitive dissonance, or it exemplifies it because I know that I like know know everything he's doing is terrible. But I also am charmed by it. You know, like there's two minds right now. This is how they do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. People always ask, like, how could she get taken in like that? She's such a smart woman. Yeah. This is how they do oh, it. <laughs> because I'm like, I'm like, this is manipulative. This is twisted. But oh, it's Tom Hanks, and oh, he said, he said, you know, and, and this is the moment where it's like, this is like it for me. Where he, there, go- she's saying she's gonna meet her guy later that today. Today he specifically plans a date with her like or uh, like a meetup as friends with her before he knows that she's gonna meet her guy and i think i don't know what i don't know what his game is but like he does it on purpose and then he like takes her aside and he just basically like is like you know have you ever wondered what it would have been like if like we didn't have this like kind of business rivalry and like he just basically says like he wished that like he would have loved to have been with her, right? Like if that all that stuff didn't happen. And meanwhile, knowing that she's like feels conflicted because she's in love with this other quote unquote guy, other well, guy. You have set up a situation, Joe Fox, in which yeah. she has fallen in love with you as NY152. Extremely yeah. unimaginative name, by the way. Shouldn't I know, absolutely. You never have to think for yourself except manipulating people constantly. <laughs> um, so you do that. Then you decide that you also want her to fall in love with you as Joe Fox. Why? Yeah, so this is the only thing I could kind of think of. I think, like, if you, and again, this is the lens of, like, this is supposed to be romantic, right? I think what he would say is that he wanted, she, he knew that she hated him. And so she he needed to spend time with her as himself so that she, know, like, she learns to, like, like Joe Fox, the guy. Mm. So that at the moment he reveals himself to be New York 152, she's not like, fuck that, I can't do it, I hate this guy, right? She, It's already someone that she cares about. That's also, you can look at it from the manipulative that's mani- way. That's which is classic manipulation. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is the definition like, I wish people- <laughs> of manipulation. I wish... I wish people could see the look on your face right now. You look so serious. It's so somber. Oh, you guys. Why would no yes, one do this to us? Yeah, because I think I think that's what he was doing. Right? No, that, that makes that sense, right? That makes sense. I, I like that's what I that, I think that's exactly what his plan is. I agree with you. I agree that's what you. his plan is. And so she is, feels conflicted. She's like, Joe, I got to go. Like she has loved this other man 
through another relationship, there was like a little, she thought he didn't love her. Then they started talking again. She fell in love. She's finally ready to be and meet this man. And then she has this like niggling kind of thoughts like, oh man, but like I'm falling for Joe. And so I imagine she went home very distraught. I know. Right? So like then conflicted. She's, she's, like, yeah. Oh my God. Just so unfair, honestly. And then they have the meetup at Central Park, right? He brings his dog to sort of soften and he brings his the dog blow. Classic manipulation. Classic yes. manipulation. And also, but also, okay, obviously from the manipulative perspective, also, but also because he's talked about Brinkley, he's talked about all these other things. Yes. So yeah. I think it was also a way to prove that he really was New York 152. Fair. Also correct. I agree because with that. Because the dog that. comes and he goes, he yells Brinkley. I think this is all showing, hey, it's New York 152. She's anticipating it. And then she sees it's him. And then breathes a sigh of relief and says, what did she say, Misan? I wanted it to be you. Did you? <laughs> and then <laughs> the movie ends. And then it just ends. It just ends. This is classic HEA manipulation, which is like, HEA is that they get together and you're not going to show us any of the repercussions of what just happened. Because Ridiculous. if you show one second afterward, what does that conversation look like? I just like, and I, even when I watched this movie back in the day and didn't get how messed up Joe was, yeah. I did always wonder, like, how does this conversation go? Like, you know? honestly. Now where, I'm like. Where are her friends? Where are her friends? Well, one of them works at Fox's book. That is no more. So she doesn't have like a proper outlet. So her only, again, at the end of this movie, I want it to be clear. She has no livelihood. What job does she have? She's trying to find she is writing. She's writing a book. She's writing a book. She'll be fine, I think. But well, she'll everything she did. She'll always be. Okay, but the thing is, everything she'll like, do, yeah. everything she'll do, because she's starting things, right? Even the book writing, who gave her that idea? NY 152. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I have to ask, so, was the shop around? Because I have not seen the shop around the corner. And we might yeah. have to do this yeah. movie to redeem this recording. No, it, it's, it's, it's just as bad. And so, I think so, what they do. Oh, okay. Then, so then how does it get he, rescued? I don't understand it then. What do you mean? Well, no, how is it like the it's story? palatable? You know what I mean? No, how is it palatable in the shop around the corner? This storyline. The shop Jimmy's around story. the corner, they it's Jimmy Stewart. They do Jimmy the same Stewart. exact thing. Okay, it's because it's yeah, Jimmy They do the Stewart. same exact thing. Okay. So you have to cast a super likable guy that you have all these other posi positive associations with. And then I think what they do is they make the woman a little priggish and like, ah, 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 ah. and so it's like, oh, she needs like that, you know, like, and so like you kind of understand like the, the, guy, the guy's resistance to her hesitation about her because she's like a little bit of like a pill, right? Yeah, And yeah. so... And then, like, even you know what the movie is doing? <laughs> We're, this is just me being so cynical. It's almost like projecting. You know, when you're like in a toxic relationship with a man, yeah. and he's like, "Only I can see what's good about you. Only yeah. I can love you. Nobody else sees it." That's kind of what's happening with this movie, which is like, you almost are like, "What is the appeal?" Except for the guy is keeps saying that she's adorable and wonderful, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. And so that I think that's like the dynamic the movie both movies get. Like Margaret Sullivan is not that likable in that movie. I, th yeah. I would say even much less so. Than, and Meg um, Ryan, which thought Meg Ryan, and then yeah. you keep getting these moments where they're so mean, and like it's treated when they like bite back at the man that they're being mean, and that the guy's defenseless, and oh, this woman's horrible, and so it's almost like this is the only way you contain this woman is by like this elaborate thing to like make her feel humble. So it's almost like a taming of the shoe ass type situation. Then. I mean, 
if if you ask me, I would say everything is a taping of the truth. We did, but we we like you know we did this in our first season when we talked about you know yeah. um, ten things I hate about you and taming of the true. Um, but you're right, actually. Yeah. Every movie is this is this is what like and I like again. If you love, you've got mail. I don't. I understand why you do. I like. It's I, so charming. It's extremely so charming. charming. Like part of it, like it talks. It's like the Upper West Side is like one of my is like my favorite neighborhood in all of New York City, practically, or it used to be because I used to live there for quite some time. I really like it. Like it makes you fall in love with the city. It's like a classic like mm-hmm. New York love story type situation. It's all these sort of like yeah. familiar classic haunts that you see and like remember and landmarks. So I get all of that and I get that maybe it feels like, oh, these people are so both like annoying that they're the best fit for each other. But what is difficult to me for me to deal with fundamentally is how much the power dynamic is so imbalanced. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it never it. feels like Kathleen gets to make an informed choice. Yes. That's wow. what that's what really makes it hard for that's me it. as a love story. You know what I mean? Because like I get enemies to lovers, I get mistaken identity. Like those are classic yeah. romance tropes. Happens all the time. It's not it's a well that people go to constantly will continue to go to constantly for, you know, for years to come. Makes sense. Great story. The problem is she I never like he has too much power. He gets to create the situation. And by the end of it, you're telling me that she's like oh, he's not manipulated her, sorry, it's what it is, into being like, oh, she wanted it to be him. And she's like crying about it. And it's like, yeah, did you? Misa, Misa, the other thing is shop around the corner, weirdly, because you're asked, because actually, like, I've been thinking about your question. Yeah. The the setup is that, I mean, he's like a head clerk at a store, but they're both like clerks at the store. They don't have like a huge, like huge, like he's kind of her boss, but not really. They're more like work rivals because she's Mm. always kind of one upping him. That's different. That is different. And so that, and that, and that, and so like it's never like, and there, I don't think. There's like a situation like I think she there is a situation where she's like sick or she doesn't come to work because she's so depressed that she thinks her guys stood her up. But I don't think she was ever like in a position where like she lost her job, like her livelihood, everything was taken from her like this one. Right. And so to your point about power dynamics, maybe that's also another thing that works a little better and shop around the corner is that there's not such a glaring power. I mean, obviously, there is about the he has more knowledge than her information bias thing, but it's not like you are a multimillionaire maybe billionaire own this huge company that has put me out of business and that you've like kind of just like dominate everything yeah you. and you just you know? and you like at the end of the day what does joe lose nothing yeah and that not, is a great he's, and not he's required to lose i'm not saying he's required to lose anything but it like to me it is like so fascinating that the story is in order for this love story to work right for this romance yeah. to be what it is he loses nothing and she loses everything yeah. that matters to her at the beginning yeah. of the movie. Like, and part yeah. of that is wow. like, what does that say? And again, this is Nora Ephron, who I adore as like a romance writer. But what does that say about the socialization of what we like, what women are required to like give up or encounter in order to be like loved to win this love? You know what I mean? Like, I find that very yeah. troubling. It's like at each point where she should be able to have the agency to decide something. He he takes that away, and it's almost like she doesn't want to do this. That doesn't matter. She wants to keep her store. Yeah, that doesn't matter. And it's almost like, what is that? Like, is this the same Nora Ephron teaching? Maybe that's life, right? Like, because you know, think about how like women are so- socialized to sort of acquiesce, and like again, like you shouldn't be surprised that these like 
both of us are raging feminists. So I'm being very like, you know, this is what I'm talking yeah. about right here. But think about how women are socialized to want partnership and marriage if that's what they want and children. And like what is required for that to happen is less like, and maybe Nora's trying to tell this, I'm not sure, is like so much is required in terms of sacrifice for women to do that. And we see that borne out in sort of the lives they live as they're partnered, right? Even if they're like super yeah. ambitious or they're stay-at-home mothers or whatever they choose, while the sacrifice was required for a man to be able to be a partner, like what are they, what are men sacrificing for that? It sort yeah. of seems to suggest Oof. that to me, you know what I mean? And then at the end of the day, yeah. the studies show that like, Men that are married, they gain so much in wealth and stature and respect and they have children and all other stuff. Mm-hmm. Women, but the, the effects are different. And I, I, this sort of underscores that to me in an interesting way. I don't, know, I don't know if that was what it was meant to do, but I feel radicalized. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting too, because like as you're talking, I'm like, I think there is something kind of retrograde. Oh, well, there's a lot yeah. retrograde about it. Yeah. But is it that... What makes this so different from other rom-coms? Because I don't think I've had as strong of a reaction. Yeah, what is it? I, what uh, is yeah. it? That's a good question. And I think, and I think, but I think to your point is like, I, I think all of this stuff was percolating below the surface in a lot of rom-coms. But you, what you're saying about, I really liked what you said about the power dynamics. I think it's just so obvious in this movie. Yeah. And it's so, and you know what it is? It's like zero sum. Yeah. It's zero sum in a way a lot of like, rom-coms not aren't aren't necessarily yeah and i think and then it's like and then it's just like kind of glossing over it with like tom hanks's like charm and like inherited goodwill yeah and then nancy uh not nancy myers nora efron's like like she has just this touch like exactly what we're talking about right and so it just makes it all seem dreamy and like romantic and like and then um meg ryan's character is such a romantic right she's like talking about like there's because you know there's like a shorthand for like what a romantic woman is she's like talking about like Pride and Prejudice, yeah. and I think there were other things. Like, yeah. oh, she, I think she talks about, like, I don't know, I, I don't even remember. She's, like, somebody's writings with somebody else. Like, she just has that kind of, um, like, vocabulary that's, yeah. like, super romantic woman. Yeah. So yeah. I think we're supposed to, oh, George Bernard Shaw and Mrs. Campbell. Yeah. So, like, I think what, what we're supposed to believe is that because she's such a romantic, she gets what she wants, which is romance, right? Yeah. And he gives it her that. And he gives her, like, he gives her this, like, elaborate manipulation that, like, a lot of women are, have been told is romance yeah. and courtship. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, like, I guess maybe that, I mean, I'm not saying it's right, but I think that's what we're supposed to believe is that she finally gets her Darcy. Like, she gets you know? what she wants. Like, this, ultimately, this is yeah. what she wants more than... Maybe anything else in the movie more than like keeping up the like the store because it's so difficult for her to do that and like the response. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe that's but, maybe that's part of what it is. But it is, but it is that very like late '90s turn of the century like kind of mi- like splitting the difference kind of middling, and we can talk about like the poli- like the um so like economic politics of this movie too yeah but like it it, what it does is they know that it can't be like a 1960s one where she's just like i just had the man so they're kind of they're like noting oh she like people know that she has value because she likes children's books even the fact that and i'm not saying it's bad but the fact that like her ambition is so embedded with children and there's such a nurturing thing about her right like it's not like i know i know what you mean into children it's not a bad thing it's very valid and it's not it's not a bad thing but it's like less threatening but like it feels like it's not like 
it's it's a different it's a different sort of profession. It's just what it you know what I mean. It's a different sort of profession, but it's also like kind of getting it both ways. So we have a woman who's like because like the Parker Posey character is like self involved. She's a career woman. She's a publisher. She's yeah, this, and those movies and are used to presenting. Yeah, they're they're present like sorry in the nineties they just always kind of presented career women in a certain way. Yeah. So you have to have her be a career woman, but in a way that's like softer and more whimsical and like yeah. less threatening, yeah. right? Yeah. And then and so we know that she like is going to write a book probably. And like, so we're supposed to feel okay with that. Right. Cause she's like a go get it woman of the nineties and she yeah. still has a career. Like yeah. I think it tries to give us everything, but now with like a 2023 lens, yeah. we're like kind of seeing, I mean, it's a little bit of a manipulation of like the audience as well. Right. Yeah. It's like, which a is movies. Of hands. It's yeah, like, like yeah. yeah, exactly. It's, it's like a movies. sleight of hands. It's like, Oh look, she's like, a, she like, she's respected. She has a, um, she has like her, maybe potential writing career and yeah. this guy like yeah he does some bad stuff but he's also charming and he's like you know and then like we're, we're supposed to be okay with it at the end and yeah, yeah right that's what movies do yeah but, that's um, what movies I do it's but like- it's so much more odd like i don't know like joe like tom joe the character has not earned the goodwill we automatically lend tom hank as an actor and that's yeah. what the issue is like if the character but wasn't that kind of the Oh, you know what? Actually, sorry for interrupting you. I was like, yeah. isn't that kind of the issue, like, one fine day? But even that, you're right. He at least had to have some kind of redemption. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's not like one fine day, like, George Clooney's character becomes, like, you know, reformed or whatever. But at least there is acknowledgement of, like, oh, he's kind of a dick. She's kind of annoying. Yeah. And they're both like, yeah. okay, we're both going to figure this out. But we still really like each other. And let's see how this goes. In this, it never feels like, to be fair, it is acknowledged that Joe is kind of a dick. Right. But not in a way that's supposed to be like irredeemable. You know what I mean? Like on the way that interrogates, like, I mean, for, for the, for the movie to want us to think he's irredeemable. You know what I mean? Like, it's not in a way yeah, that. But also is he, is he like, I, I, we know that she thinks he's a dick, but is he supposed to be unequivocally like, because he never really apologizes for anything. That's so how true. are we supposed to get that? You know that's what I mean? Like, I don't even know if the movie is like saying, Oh, he's clearly a dick. Sometimes I feel like they're making it seem more like of a misunderstanding. Or something, yeah. Then actually. Know? yeah, And that, Oh, maybe she's too sensitive. Like, or something. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I no, like I see what you mean. Saying, like, there, I see what you mean. There isn't a moment where he said that thing I did before was dickish. Sorry. You know, like Mr. Darcy. And this is the difference. Darcy has that whole fucking speech about how, like, I was terrible and you taught me how to be better. Yeah. And we do not have that in a lot of these movies, specifically this one. Yeah. I'm trying to think of because, like, when is it that, like, there's that. I guess this is when she talks to NY 152 and she's saying that she feels bad for how she talked to him or something like that. Or like yeah. she said, like she usually can't find the words to be because before like he is NY 152 encourages her to just say what she wants to yeah. say in the moment. And so she talks about how she usually does like she's usually not able to find the words and she That's found true. them. Um, but I'm t- I can't now it's me. I can't remember now how he responds well, to that. He, like her he does, feeling bad he does about say- it. Or something. He also does say something. I don't know if it's the same scene, but like, oh, like I can always say those things in the moment, and sometimes I feel bad or something. So yeah, like maybe but that's, that's the only you. exactly. So that's what I was trying to remember. So, but that's yeah. the yeah. To your point, that's the only nod to being like, hey, maybe this is kind of dickish, not cool in a little way. Um, I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know, man. That, but maybe also. This is and this is and maybe as a segue is like we to interrogate like 
Joe on a deeper level is like because like what he really did obviously there's like the manipulation and all that stuff yeah. but there's also like the like putting her out to business out of business yeah. and I don't think the movie would ever want to him to apologize for that because it believes in this like kind of version of capitalism it yeah. just does yeah. right and so yes yeah, ah, life true. And, that's a good and point. so maybe that's like also why like it's not gonna be like oh she like it's so clear that he like fucked her over by putting her out of business right because if it interrogates that like if it it interrogates that on the person interpersonal level yeah then it has to like interrogate that on like sort of the, the broader level. yeah and, and but it's also weird because the movie does have this line about like because she's like he's like it's not personal right it's business yeah and she's like why do people say that I, it's personal to me and it should start with the personal right so you would think that like the movie's just very confusing because so you would think that it's trying to make a point that like okay what he did was wrong but it doesn't or, think but it doesn't that. want the movie it, doesn't think it doesn't, that yeah or doesn't seem to want us yeah. to think that but i guess this is a good segue then to like another theme of the movie is that like we have this situation where it's like capitalism and the big bad internet right that's not supposed to be the big bad yeah. it's supposed to be like good versus like yeah um you know small businesses and like the idea of like you know uh, uber leftist liberalism like socialism if you want to call it that whatever but here like unequivocally like the collective doesn't win unequivocally the big corporation where they like try to have like a, a like a pr campaign about how fox books is horrible she gets on like yeah. the local news you know he ends up looking bad for a little bit and it means nothing ultimately like capitalism wins all of that is irrelevant that small business goes out of business and that's it and then like we just continue to live to fight another day it's saying like ultimately the capitalism is the winner and that's and we we don't interrogate just like okay well that's just how it goes yeah that's it exactly it doesn't interrogate it and you even like kind of like suggest like yeah it's sad for her but yeah exactly that's the way it goes and that even there's that scene where she goes back to the store and like it, like and Chris Messina, just like a random like cameo, yeah, playing like, like, Fox like <laughs> yes, that's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she goes, she goes to Fox Books, and he like doesn't really know what's like. A mother is like asking about like the shoe book, and he doesn't know anything because it's like this like soulless, faceless corporation. Yeah, right? it's really like, they big. Don't yeah, they don't books. do curated sort that, of recommendations. Yeah, they don't know about. They that. don't do curated, and so she provides a recommendation, and so there's like that to kind of indicate that there's something lost by having yeah. Fox Book. But when she like. But she walks in and she sees, like, all these kids and, like, uh, you know, all the, like, people hanging out and drinking coffee. It's even, and, you like, know, a story time stuff. for and kids in the corner. Like, and it's supposed to be like, oh, well, it's, I guess it's not so yeah, bad. So, is it? But it's supposed to be like, okay, Fox's, Fox Books is a type of public forum. And I think that's even one of the arguments that Joe tries to make for it. And Yeah, like, I, I remember that. Telling us that. Yeah. And I think the movie's trying to tell us that it, in fact, is some kind of public forum. And, like, now Kathleen is seeing that, like, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's almost like this, like, this is, like, a random thing. But did you ever me- read Emile Zola's Ladies' Paradise? <laughs> it's like not, really, should I? It's also a romance. It's a romance. Yeah, it's a romance book. Yeah. But it's, like, basically, it's a French novel about um, a woman who works as a shop girl at, like, what, you know, there's galleries in um, mm-hmm. Paris. Yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah, But they were, like, replacing small stores or whatever. It was, like, a department store. Yeah. And the whole tension Gallery in the Lafayette, novel yeah, is... Yeah, is what, and like, Gallery Lafayette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a bunch. And, but it was, like, about, like, the emergence of those in French society. Yeah. And it was basically, like, this woman, like, all, like, like, she, like, th- and it was, like, the birth of the like, department store. And there was this feeling, like, and I, there's even a line where it was, like, oh, she, like, 
she's fine with it because like that's just sort of like the na- the way that things roll, right? Like mm-hmm. like that's the like that's like where progress goes and there's always going to be sort of something lost, right? And mm-hmm. I feel like this movie kind of sees that like and that's a very like and I th- like late stage capitalist, but like also like early 90s where we, everyone was really optimistic about late yeah. stage capitalism, right? Yes, that was yes. that that was the oh, that was just kind of like the mentality. And like if you we should post in show notes, Jacobean has this like really interesting like I don't know why they picked on this movie, but they like have this like v- like essay about how this like I wish you could see my, my eye roll about that publication in yeah. general but, but it's like, like yeah but it's, it's like Clintonian it's like a lot but it is it's a lot but it's it interesting is interesting perspective it is interesting yeah it's an this interesting is not, perspective it's not an endorsement but there's some there's some kernels of yeah. truth in that in that sort of essay yeah and it's also like I mean there's something to be said why they picked this movie yeah right? yeah and I think it's like this movie is like it 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 it, it, it like and it also feels like almost like um, I don't know what the term is, but like, and the, we don't have to get into our like. I, I have a lot of like skepticism about late stage capitalism, but like I do know Rightfully that time so. period. Yeah, people were generally optimistic, or at least that was what the media was saying. That was the flavor. No, but I didn't era, capitalism that was, was good. That like you know socialism. Yeah, this is the nineties unfettered. This, yeah, it was better. Like socialism and like communism didn't work. Look at the fall of all these different countries in the Soviet yes, Union. Exactly. Like USSR was falling. Like you know. um Germany and like East, East Germany and West Germany were like, you know, the Berlin Wall fell and like all this. Like, actually, the answer was that capitalism actually is for yeah, the greater like our book. way of doing things the, is better. The, the Western way, the you know, the uh, the UK, the American way is better. The East doesn't know what they're doing, you know what I mean? And obviously, yeah. that is not what bore out to be reality, but there was that level of like smugness. Well, and I, like, we're not. We're not saying necessarily that the USSR was. No, like, we're not saying that, but it's, but it's yeah, like. But yeah, it's just like, to make it clear. Yeah, to be that's a good point. But it's like, it's more complicated <laughs> than that, right? It's more. Yeah, it's yeah. an easy sort of answer that like, so like capitalism is the answer. It's the good that wins over everything. And therefore it's the superior system. Each system is yeah. flawed in different ways, right? It's sort of. What yeah. We, at that time, it's sort of like a smugness. Like we have figured out the yep. proper yeah. system of how society should be governed and how an economy should work. And it's obviously capitalism. We won. Hooray. Right. And it was a, and it was a brand of like unfettered capitalism. Exactly. Right? Like it was like, yeah. and it was like, just, just let the market go. And like, the market, wins develop and- the market honestly, the market had like the market knows best, basically whatever the yeah. market does. And it so it's like, best. obviously we have all this technology, like, and like these big companies are coming into play and like just let it let let it go. Like, yes, mom and pops are going to get eaten by the machine. This is why I had like my ladies paradise. Yeah. Like, comparison. Because yeah. there's this idea that is like, yes, obviously things are going to get lost and like, you know, we're going to lose. But this is this is progress. This is yeah. just progress. This is progress, progress goes. Like it's like industrialization yeah. needed to happen. So this also needs yeah, to happen. Exactly. And that's sort of like this exactly. is how the cookie crumbles. And again, like Nana says, we're not endorsing a particular like like. Like, we're not saying, oh, okay, like, the USSR knows what they're doing or, like, whoever knows what they're doing. But, it like, political theory, you know, requires constant interrogation and discussion, right? So to be properly tested out and to understand what makes sense or what might not make sense. And it depends on the time period. And I think that that is more of what an answer that we figured out as the years have gone past 1998, that, like, capitalism is not a one-size-fits-all solution. And, I, and listen, Nan and I, 
obviously participate in Kabul. Like, you know, it's not like, oh my God, yeah. like we hate Kabul. Like, I, I don't want this to be well, that. I, 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 I mean, I think we probably have differences. I'm deeply skeptical. I just I think late stage capitalism I, is like, <laughs> yes, has done a lot of horrible things to like, yeah. honestly. And I say that as someone that obviously engages in it, right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but yeah, that like, is, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, and I, and I, like, I say that as someone that like is engaging, but understanding that there, there are lots of it, parts of it that are like, wow, that's crappy, right? So saying all, so I say this to say that it's complicated. There's no simple answer or solution. And this movie sort of is like having, it's like, it's like movies do wrapping it up in a bow that it's like, oh, this is like, it's great to be apolitical. It's great to not care about all this stuff that like all these like sort of like lefty liberals are always like whining and bleeding about like dust. And they're hypocrites anyway. Like everyone's a little bit of a hypocrite. Like it happens. Like what can you do? Go get some Starbucks and let's keep it pushing. Right. And it's like, (laughs) that's this movie, which is very 1998. But in 2023, it just doesn't fit. You know what I mean? So maybe that's part of the discomfort with it. Yeah, and also what I think is just it just I th- I actually do feel like this movie should be in the canon or because it's a cultural relic that yeah. is important and like it tells you a lot because, about that time period for sure. Yes, because it's also like if you look, it's almost like <laughs> it was like we were like teetering on the precipice and we like didn't know where we were going like but we thought we were actually going up right. Yeah. So you see this movie and it's like the the beginning of like the internet age. Yeah. I remember the optimism. Yeah. We just thought the like the internet was going to connect everybody yeah. it was gonna be amazing and even the way this movie talks like it's it, it's like so quaint and cute how it's like oh you met someone on the internet no and like you know yeah. it, no way Not and it was like, just, like dark this criminal underbelly of humanity that we now know that the internet yeah and, and like and the disinformation yeah. and all like yeah. the social media and yeah. anxiety yeah like and, and so like we did we know that that you've got mail was gonna turn into like depression amongst teenagers and yeah. like disinformation campaigns and all that stuff yeah right and then on the other side which i find so interesting is that like fox books like or like starbucks or or not starbucks barnes and noble or um, books books is the perfect example borders yeah walden books yeah well all the books is my fave of the three to be honest i know i did love it but they came and gobbled up all these independent booksellers, which so to the point where like independent bookstores are like barely a thing anymore. Yeah. Like, they're just like hanging on. Yeah. And then guess who came and gobbled them up? Like you talked about Amazon. Amazon. And that's the capitalist is machine. Capturing them like <laughs> Infinity Stones. Okay, Thanos. Like, and it's like, yeah. To them, it's like, it's like, I think that Joe, even though he would be at the, like, he would hate, like, I don't know. You know, I'm always, I'm always curious. He probably would. I think those people always end up profiting in some way, right? Yeah, like, so, like, he would have, obviously, he would have made a killing, like, to be honest, like, yeah. by being acquired. Like, he would have made a killing, is what I imagine. Yeah, exactly. So, like, either way, as usual, as, like, a very privileged white man t- tends to be, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it just works out for him constantly. Um, but, but like, it's just like how like, like life works in particular ways, but like that, it's so interesting because then as the story, the story of like capitalism is that, okay, well, that's just like another evolution of like yeah. how we consume information. It's just, it's just what happens. Yeah. This is progress. It's yes. And Google like ate up, uh, like, uh, what should I call it? AOL's market share. Yeah. Right. And so what, what this movie is really interesting is it's showing 
a sort of lack of self-awareness like this is the future this is it but it's also just the present because the future is going to be something else that like Mm -hmm. boots you Mm -hmm. out and makes you obsolete right like big bookstores like you know like are like gonna be the thing okay for now but you're gonna be obsolete at some point email is gonna be a thing okay but you're gonna be obsolete at that point and the movie didn't seem to and obviously wouldn't because it's present time but it is kind of funny seeing it like this kind of sense that we're like at the cusp of the future not realizing that that's such like a very specific limited period of time and all this is gonna be obsolete at some point and this movie like exemplifies that like turn of the century or like almost millennium kind of Mm -hmm. way of thinking Mm -hmm. you know very true very true oh my god i this movie has a lot in it man that's so like there's a lot going a lot going on with it um okay i guess is there anything else we want to talk about before we get into like whether or not we think they stay together anything else i don't think so i think we cover like the main things yeah i think we got it mostly uh what we wanted what you and i decided we wanted to talk about okay do we think they stay together at the end like, are they together now? Yeah. And I think she, like, probably writes kind of casually. Yeah. But, like, watches the kids. Hopefully he's faithful to her. I pray that <laughs> that's going on. <laughs> oh, this is so depressing. <laughs> oh, I agree with you, though. And to be fair, he, like, really went in on her when he realized that his, like, father's way of doing love yeah. like, wasn't working. Yeah. Right? Like, I actually don't think he's unfaithful to her. I don't think he's unfaithful to her. Yeah, I think I think I think he's gonna be faithful to her. Yeah, but it's gonna be that like classic like man who thinks that he's supportive of his wife, but it's really all about him. Yes, that is Joe Fox in a nutshell. But yeah, they're still together. Um, their kids are they have like at least two kids, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, and because she loves children, and then she has like Upper West Side, Upper West Side all the way, and she has like a decent career as like a children's uh, like book author in fact maybe that's be like i actually think she does pretty well for herself with that because i think she understands yeah. the mechanics quite well and her books are a success and he's like the big sort of like you know business dude and i think they have like a happy life together is it a life that yeah, I, yeah maybe i i think, I think, they're happy. Happy. I think they have a happy life together i do um is the foundation based on something that i'm like wow yes but i think they have yeah. a happy life together so good for you kathleen uh- and joe yeah you're married to like a like a sociopath but that's okay you know what the problem is i think there are more people married to sociopaths than you can imagine oh gosh, gosh, gosh oh my god that's hilarious oh and this is like you could cut this out if it doesn't fit but the last thing i'll say i like about this movie is that they were older and that's like a like that's a nice, true. Like, that's a good touch. point. That's like, a she, good point. She was well into her thirties. Yeah, and he was like clearly around the same. Yeah, so. exactly. And I think there's something to be said for being able to see, like, even with all of its, like, you know, like all of it warts and all, like having people on screen that it's like, oh, like you don't have to be like, your path to find love does not end at 25. If you, it's not like if 25 yes, it doesn't yes. happen. Sorry. Good luck. You know what I mean? Like I like I like that. I find yeah. that. Um, I think that's pretty refreshing. I- and it was like their first, like it would be their first marriage, right? Yeah, like, yeah, divorce. yeah, yeah. No. So I, I, I did like that. Yeah, like, yeah. I, that had a very sort of New York or like a very sort of metropolitan, yeah, kind like of feel to flavor. it. Like, yeah, it makes a lot of yeah. sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, but man, watching this just reminded me how much I love New York City. Uh, like it's, mm-hmm, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, it just is. It was a very good reminder of that. Um, okay, do you want to do our HEA? 
My HEA is The Love Wager by Lynn Painter. Uh, so this is a book about two, it's actually very interesting meet cute. Like uh, it's Hallie and Jack. Hallie meet, Jack and Hallie meet each other at their, Jack's sister's wedding. She's marrying his best friend. Um, and Hallie is like the bartender. Uh, and basically what mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie is that like Jack is about to propose to this girlfriend um, and she like, is jealous because she thinks he's flirting with Hallie and he like becomes this like disastrous situation. Anyway, they sort of like end up like falling into each other's orbit. Uh, They hook up and then they have to sort of, they're like, Oh, actually like this was just for fun. Like actually like I, both of us really, really want to find love. And so they sort of set this thing up where they're trying to like find a new life and new love. Hallie's coming off of like a very like pretty bad breakup. So she's going to log into a dating app and start, you know, figuring out, like what her life will look like post this like shift. Same thing with Jack. When she logs into the dating app after hooking up with him like the night before, she sees him, they see each other and they match and they start chatting. And they're like, well, obviously we're not trying to date each other. Uh, but how about we like see who fi- who'll find love first? So it starts this whole conceit, like they wager, the love wager, about who's going to find oh, love. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they both bet something, like both of them bet something major. Uh, And the story is sort of them becoming like more and more connected and like best friends. It just is very cute, like fun, easy read. And I think what I liked about this book is that you think it's going to end up a particular way, like sort of like the the big misunderstanding is going to be one way. And then instead it becomes something a little bit different. And I like that the author did something that was like, it sort of zigs a little bit when you expect it to zag, which you don't typically find because there's sort of like this like standard way um that books tend to happen but I really had like I enjoyed reading it was fun to read like a contemporary romance it wasn't sort of like the same old same old that also like took pieces of what like dating looks like today and managed to like create sort of like a fresh sort of perspective on it I thought it was fun so check it out The Love Wager by Lynn Painter yay okay I think what I am going to do is <laughs> I was going to do the American Roommate Experiment by Elena uh, Armas but I just didn't like that book that much. I cannot so. <laughs> to, and this is not my God. Are we, like, I, I keep re- looking at the blur. I'm like, this is not going to compel me. And I'm not surprised uh, that it doesn't. I, yeah. I know. I think you read, what was it called? The Spanish, um, the Spanish love. Ex- no, the Spanish love wager. Cause I thought the first book was that, good. Spanish love deception. Okay. The Spanish love deception. deception. The Spanish okay. love wager. So and I, I have a book. I, I have that book. Okay, I haven't read it yet. Um, it's like I bought it. It's on my Kindle, but this like came, th- you know, it's it like same. on my library yeah. wait list. Yeah, so yeah, and it's part of the same universe. It's the same author. Yeah, it was not good. It's so not, instead, I'm gonna break the rules a little. I was surprised when you had it on there. I was like, was I wrong about this book? Because that didn't well, not look good. No, I'm just like I'm. Re- I was really stretched because I've been reading a lot of like non romantic things. You've been reading. So, like, <laughs> so I was like, you've been doing like a lot of. You're in your like nonfiction sort of like phase now aren't you well yeah i'm doing a lot of celebrity memoirs which are life-changing yeah that's a different podcast though um 
And I also, I'm just like reading like a lot of women's literature. Like I read this book, Mommy, which is good, but I would never call it like a romance. Oh, it's not a romance? Interesting. Well, there is romance in it. I guess I can recommend that just as like a thing. Because you loved that book. You really liked it a lot. I loved it. I thought it was really good. Uh, So like, yeah, let me talk about Mommy. It's like about, it's and it's written by a Ghanaian um, British woman, um, Jessica George. Mm -hmm. And it's about this woman, Mommy, who I think is like 25 and her whole life, um, because her mother has like kind of went off to live her parents relationship is like not very clear but like mm. they were kind of separated her mom went off to do her own thing in ghana but stay together yeah and then her father or her brother kind of went off and he did his own thing so she was left you know to kind of hold down the fort mm. and then her father got really sick and so she was taking care of him for like her like a lot in her youth yeah and he has like uh i think parkinson's disease and so she is like hasn't really had a chance to have like a youth right like it's always mm. been at home taking care of her dad make, like paying for things like she just took on a lot of responsibility she just became the adult wait in the room basically it sounds like kind of yeah. yeah even and even though her mom would never admit she's not the adult you know she's like and i i just related to this so hard not necessarily yeah. my own family but what i've just seen i know so yeah. many Ghanaian families where yeah. it's like yeah like the mom inherited like a hostel in like you know, wherever, outside of Accra on Weja or something. Mm-hmm. And, like, so she's going to primarily be there to take care of business. And you don't know what's happening, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it just like, happens to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and, and so I just thought this – it was so spot on. And so because that of that, Mame was left – and 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 her mom also just, like, you can tell doesn't really love the father. But there's, like, a, this sense of duty kind of, but not, right? Mm. And so – Mame was the one who took on all shoulder all the responsibility, but her mom is coming back from Ghana, mm. um, and she's like, L- "I'm gonna take over your father's like the f- caretaking duties, like mm. go out and be young." And so she like is being young for the first time, and so this movie's like kind of chronicling, or that book is chronicling her like learning, yeah, how to be like a young adult a little yeah. later. So yeah. she like, gets a flat share, she starts dating. Wow. It, it's so good, and there is a romance, and she ends up with a really great guy at the end. Mm. Um, and, but I thought, like, the book, it's, like, the romance is cute, and you could kind of see it coming, right? And yeah. but it's not a huge part of it. Uh, it's really just her learning about herself. But it's so good. I heavily recommend it. Like, yeah. I, like I highly recommend it. I think I read it in a couple days. Um, yeah. I have so to put that on hold at the library. H- I forgot. Yeah, it's so good. You told me to do that, so like, two weeks ago. I should do that now. Yeah. 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 Um, but the other thing that is kind of romantic, I'll just throw in, is Love is Blind Seasons 4. I cannot quit this show. It's I, so every season, I like this good. season, Nana. I know. Every season, I'm like, it, this has got to be the last. Like, after the last season, I was like, this show feels a little more exploitative. Like, I got sick of it really after season three. I was like, no, like, what? Although, to be fair, there's still one couple I from know. that season. I just, they weren't the one. They just weren't my favorite. Oh yeah, I just didn't care about yep, that. I was like, whatever. Uh, who but cares? yeah, yeah, and even like the you know how they I don't know what know what they call it like after the altar or whatever. Yeah. They like were following the couples that got married, and then in the epilogue, it was like these people all got divorced. You're like, what? One couple was it Brennan and Alexis? Brennan and Alexis? Yeah, or was that season two? Now I'm getting confused. Yeah. But no, you know what the problem right? Yeah, season three. But the problem is they keep doing all these seasons back to back to back to back to back. But I do. Yeah. yeah but okay. there's a promising couple on season four that I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, so you're watching. I am watching. Even though I said I wasn't going to. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I said I wasn't there going is, to. There is. I got stuck. But it is so messy and there are villains oh and I can't not stop watching. So many and villains. And even though, like, 
I know you're going to come like I know you're, you're going to come after me. Another friend of mine comes after me because I don't watch Love Island, which is like obviously probably better. Superior. But, superior. <laughs> yeah, but the but I think this is like why like Love is Blind always gets me is like Netflix knows how to package these things. Like, yeah. Love is Blind is or like Love Island is just like I don't I don't want to overcommit and like yeah. just spend weeks on yeah. weeks of watching the show. Love Whereas, Island like, is a commitment. Like, so much Love more Island consumable. is a commitment. Yeah. It requires like you basically you're giving up up like two months at least yeah, yeah i just i can't do that I it's every day binge, like, half the season it's an episode yeah. every day it's crazy yeah it's too much yeah but this i'm like eh, like eh, like one day i watch five and then they like release the second half of the season i watch the other five and yeah then I'm done. yeah and i'm just like so texting bad. yeah yeah there's also a ganyan guy that's who right i think i could confidently say a lot of the ganyan community despises well so- you know what the Nigerians <laughs> had their own last season so it's your S- turn yes yeah. you're a villain <laughs> so you know he was a low-key villain Sikiru, a low-key villain. you're a villain because that's your <laughs> name but okay what i did like about him i'm sorry we're just getting distracted <laughs> but sk SK before all like all that stuff happened after the altar right he seemed like a really solid guy until then and what I did like about him is that he was like Nigerian right like yeah. he like was not he was like proud of it he was like he came from a Nigerian family he did he, he did like, like he did not teaching. hide any of that that's true that's yeah correct. he was that's like true. he like they brought Raven into it so she could learn as much yeah. as she wanted to yeah. you know whatever this Ghanaian guy eh like no <laughs> like he, the way he, he, he hmm. he's not that he is not that. He's the opposite of he what doesn't, that. <laughs> I was even surprised he said his name was Kwame because he was like, I was going to go by Alex, but I guess I'm just going to say yes, my name. Yes, my, my cousin alert, shut up about this. Spoiler alert, guys. Spoiler alert. She, she texts she texts me about this like all the time. She hates like she will never let it go that he said this that he was his name was Alex. Alex, what? What this Alex? Like it's like what? Like, Where does Alex come from? What is the connection to Kwame? Is that your middle name, Kwame, or is that the name you just no, gave yourself? No, I think it, it's. I think it's just so that they wouldn't know that he's. No, I know. No, I know. Like, I know that. But I'm like, where did Al like? Is that his middle name, or did he just pick oh, one? I don't know. I'm curious. So you know, funny enough, like because the world is so small, it's in Seattle. He, I don't know if I should reveal this. Maybe I'll cut this part out. But he's actually like a friend's of a friend's coworker. Mm. So it's like it's like it's interesting. Oh, coworker. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No, like not. I think, but like, so it's just. I think it must be so interesting for people. Like, I'm not thinking about like if someone that I know that I worked with went on the show and I'm watching them. I can't imagine. Yeah, I wouldn't like. I feel like yeah. they should not work at that place after that. <laughs> No, yeah, you got it. You you have to fully lean into the reality. And be like, okay, this is not happening. And now I'm going back to my real life, which is like real like corporate America and stuff. And it's like, but we all just saw all take you serious. Yeah, this is fascinating to me. Like, actually, that's that's not this podcast. But I'm very curious about how people that become reality stars but are not like then don't decide to lean into like being full on like influencers or whatever. Like, how do they navigate like being regular people again? Very curious about that. No idea. Anyway, that was a tangent. Yeah. We got distracted, guys. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But Love is Blind season four. And there is, a, a, there was like this love triangle that from the very beginning, I was just so invested in. I, I don't like, I know you're I, talking I, I don't, not, every, <laughs> not everybody feels as invested as me, but it, what's her name? It's like Arena, Zach, and what's the other chick's Bliss. name? Bliss. Her name is Bliss. Bliss. Yeah. I just was like, and not too many spoilers, but I was just like, Bliss is the one. 
that, that's all I'll say. I was, Bliss deserves better. That is my feeling. Bliss deserves better, in my opinion. What? But do you not like nobody? Nobody seems to like Zach. I think he's okay. I I don't want to say more because I this is spoilers. Oh, okay, don't spoil. Much. I haven't seen it. Okay, I don't, say okay, more. Okay, I don't want to okay, say more. I'll keep, it. I'll keep it. I'll keep it. Because I, I have, have, I have to text me after it. you're caught up. Please text me. Please okay. Text me. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, guys. Uh, so Nana's HEAs are Love is Blind and Mame. Mame. Who wrote Mame? Yeah. Who's the author? Jessica George. Jessica George. Cool. All right, guys. That has been our episode. Until next time. Yeah. Bye. Until next time. Bye. <laughs>